Welcome to A Better Way Podcast with your host, Ryan Haley. Learn to excel in business God's way, where the supernatural meets the practical. Experience a better way to succeed and learn from real-life business owners and entrepreneurs who have prospered in unconventional ways. Be inspired by their true stories and realize that prayer can become your practical source of provision when you embrace walking by faith and not human sight. And now, here's your host, Ryan Haley. Welcome to A Better Way Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Haley. And this week's guest interview is with Sean McNinch. Sean and I met at Karis Bible College, and he has a remarkable story of a journey he probably did not expect at all when he showed up to Bible College. But right now, Sean, I just want to say thank you. I'm glad we were able to make time to have this work out. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So Sean, just tell us uh, really briefly where you're from, kind of what your growing up or background was. Um, You know, you mentioned something before the interview about when you were 12, which is really key. I really wanted to um, highlight that and then just kind of briefly bring us up to speed of how you got to Karis and then we'll launch into the business stuff after that. Sounds good. It's quite quite an ordeal to go all the way back then. Um, so basically, when I was younger, we grew up kind of as a little bit Baptist, um, and we eventually found um, kind of a non-denominational church that we've um, started going to when I was about 14 or so. Um, and I ended up finding Andrew about the same time frame, which is how I ended up even hearing about Andrew Walmack and Karis and all that kind of stuff. So I started listening to Andrew when I was about 14, which is about 16 years ago now. And we started my mom and I. So my mom at that time had all kinds of health issues. It's the only time she's ever had health issues. She had about, I think it was five PEs, which are pulmonary embolisms around her heart. And she had about nine, I think, other blood clots in her legs. And so it was a really good time for us to find Andrew, find a better way to pray and understand that God wanted us well and it was around that same kind of time frame, And so because of that, I knew that my mom wasn't supposed to make it. She knew she wasn't supposed to make it. We, we love the teachings, different things. Um, I'm not sure if it directly overlaps. That's a direct correlation. I believe Andrew was a little bit beforehand actually. And so it was something I was able to help her get through that in a very, very difficult time. <laughs> wow. I didn't um, know any of that. So we, we started listening to Andrew in that point in time. And, um, it just, I remember playing video games when I was 14, I'd play shooting games, whatever, while listening to Andrew for hours at a time. Was kind of stupid. <laughs> but that's what I, that's, that was how I started listening to Andrew. Um, so from that point in time, I knew I was like, Hey God, I want to go to this school that, cause he started talking about that years and years and years ago when I started listening to him. Talking about and Karis. I remember asking, yeah, talking about Karis. And I remember hearing about it. I was like, Hey God, I want to go there at some point. And I pushed it off a couple of times in my life. Time frame might've been off. I may have supposed to have gone beforehand, but when I went, when I went, but I'll, I guess, well, if you want, I'll finish that portion and I'll go back to when I was 12, what I was talking about. So when I got out of high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And my mom was like, you know, Karis, it's an option. I was like, no, no, I'm not feeling it yet. The reality is it very well could have been where I was supposed to go, but I just didn't want to do it yet. And, um, Went out, did a little bit of real world stuff, kind of did what I wanted to do. Um, started working at a golf course, debated, and was kind of debating whether I wanted to go full time into that, that kind of thing. 
kind of went back and forth. Finally decided, okay, you know what? It took me a couple of years to kind of figure that part out. Um, when I was 18, I also went to a Bible school that my sister ran in Nashville and it was only like a quick program, but it kind of jolted me into it. I was like, okay, like it made me fall in love with God a little bit more. It was that, um, ability to kind of separate myself and that separation kind of made me understand, okay, I do want to be with God and that kind of thing. Something that was also really powerful when I was 18 and this was playing to some of what's going on for me now. I didn't understand that Christians and people of God were allowed to have money. So this is a big misconception, I believe, with a lot of people. Yep. At that time, I guess I didn't really think about it a lot, but I remember this guy. He came to my church when I was 18, and he was – I don't even remember everything he did, to be honest with you. He was a millionaire of some sort, you know, successful in the worldly eyes, whatever. I don't care. All that's relevant. But he was doing something where he was somewhat successful as far as a world standard. We knew he had money. So – Beyond that, that's not important. But what was important is I understood at that moment after after him teaching and doing what he went through, that we as Christians, it's our obligation to also make money and have money so we can help fund other things. And so it was one of those things where I heard him talking about it. And that's all I remember. That's all I needed to remember. I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like, And again, it wasn't something that I didn't think Christians couldn't have money, but I didn't understand that they were supposed to have money. Mm, that was good. a big, big difference. That's and good. so I was like, okay, well... It was, it was a turning point in my mind where I was like, okay, no, this is, this is what I want one day. I want to be able to fund things. I want to be able to help other missionaries. I want to be able to help elderly people that are maybe not as fortunate for different things like my grandparents or just whatever. Whatever I stumble into, I want to have money to help. That's kind of where I started getting into when I was around 18. I um, want to pause real quick. You said something really profound. I don't know if you realize this, but you said that you didn't necessarily know if Christians, uh, maybe it was okay for them to have money, but you right. didn't realize that we're supposed to have money. And right. that may Absolutely. sound offensive and heretical to people, but <laughs> please just listen to Sean's heart and his story here. I talk about this in the book I just released. <laughs> we should be the most prosperous people because look, if you're just looking at what you need, that's a selfish point of view. Right. Is you're Absolutely. here with us here pretty soon. We need to think in an overflow and abundance mentality so that we can be influential, we can be a blessing to other people, and that we can live lives worthy of the gospel, that people are going to want to emulate what we're doing and, most importantly, who we're connected to, i.e. Jesus, so that they have something appealing and winsome that... They don't otherwise have, and we can be that example. So I think that's really key, right. Sean. I love how you said that, that uh, it's not just that we're, it's okay for us to have money. We're supposed to have money so that we can be a blessing right. and help other people. Exactly. I mean, for me, money is becoming just a tool. Like I've heard people say it before, but now that I'm starting to do business and stuff, I understand like money for me, making money is just a tool so I can use it to get somewhere that I couldn't get before go to a country I haven't been able to afford to go to so I can do something else or fund somebody else or just whatever. Like money is literally just a tool for me to reach somebody that I couldn't otherwise reach. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. And so that's when I was 18, my mindset started turning then about what money even actually means. What's what's its purpose? I remember even thinking at that point in time, like if I had some, I was still thinking already at that point, like how can I help my parents? Again, they were still in a position. This was 12 years ago, they could work, they could do stuff. They were only 50 years old at the time, but I was already still, my mindset's always been there. It's really weird. And I'll get back to um, the other part you asked when I was 12, but finishing up, I guess, the whole walk towards Karis and I'll jump up to that later. I jump back to it later. Excuse me. So 
I hit about 21 and I actually started playing golf at that point in time. Um, cause I was 18, I was learning some other stuff. I was, went to that small little Bible program for, um, month or two. And then I got back and I was just trying to figure out life, trying to figure out, okay, God, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? My heart's always been for God. Doesn't mean I've always made the right choices, decisions. I didn't always follow the right path, but I mean, that's kind of irrelevant. I don't think many of us do. So we have to jump on and off that train all the time. Um, but I was doing the best I could, um, with the knowledge that I had at the time. And so I thought I was supposed to do golf. So I actually went to a school on a golf scholarship. Um, only went there for a year, realized this isn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. I mean, I was constantly in a way chasing money at that point in time. So I was saying, okay, if I was a golfer, give me a platform. I'd be able to speak. I'd have money. I'd have what I would want and be again, still be able to take care of mom, and dad, that kind of stuff. Didn't work. Um, not because I don't think I was good enough, but I was almost too scared to put in that much time to get where I might've needed to go. Um, at which point in time, so I only put in like one to two hard years of work into golf and I was pretty close to a scratch golfer. And so in my head, I was thinking, okay, if I can be scratched for a year or two, you know, of hard work, you know, where could I be in three or four? But in my head, I was also like, do I really want to spend three, four years for a what if? Now, when you say so scratch like, golfer, what do you mean? Like professional level, like hitting par, like you could legitimately play in the Yeah. So leagues? any, any, yeah. Anywhere that I went to, I, w- I expected myself, myself at minimum to shoot or maximum to shoot about par, whatever par was for that course. Um, and that's, Which, that's just for people who aren't familiar. That's like, if you can shoot par on a legitimate golf course, you're like basically a professional, right? Like you could potentially be in the PGA is kind of what you're thinking at this point. You're getting there. So most professionals, they're going to shoot a few strokes under that. I mean, the ones that are winning and actually, you know, a household name that people actually know, they're going to, instead of shooting 72, they're going to probably shoot 68, 69, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the reality is, is any golfer knows like it's over a four day span. So you didn't just lose by three or four strokes. You lost by 15 to 20, which then all of a sudden that becomes a big deal. Plus the better you get, the harder it is to shave off that extra stroke or two. Like it becomes a lot more work and time. Right. So but you're, you're at a level at this point in your life where you have the skill and you're kind of on the cusp of like, could potentially go full-time professional, but you, you had a limiting belief system. It sounds like in your head that said that almost like you were scared of success. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, it was part of being scared of success, but it was almost more about being scared, putting so much time and effort and being a failure. So it was probably almost more about me being scared to fail after putting in so much time. Got and it. so I kind of let that change my mentality, which I don't think was the right call still. But the reality is, is again, God puts us back on track, even if we make mistakes. And I like the track I'm on now. The The important thing was to just, you know, kind of wipe yourself off and get up and keep going. So at that point in time, I was trying to figure out again what I wanted to do. Um, I went back to school, um, to a university, finished my geology degree because I was chasing oil now. Like I said, money was a theme. I was chasing it one way or another and that I actually even had contacts in. this was in 2014, 15 and oil started going down, which it tends to do. Anybody who knows oil understands it's an up and down field. And so this was on the way down. I had a degree. I had contacts on the inside, couldn't get a job. I was like, great. So hmm. I became a teacher and what ended up happening at that point in time for geologists, if you don't, if you don't go work oil field or you don't do environmental work, you teach. It's about all you get left. <laughs> and, and you're from Texas, right? So oil is a big deal yep. there. What, yep. what town yeah, did you mention? Which city you're from? Yeah, I don't think I did. So, um, most of my, from 14 to 27, I lived in the Dallas Fort Worth area and that okay. metroplex. 
So that was a, so, big, that's a big industry there that it's kind of like what you do basically as someone in your position at the time. Yeah. Is you, you head out West towards, um, Midland, Odessa, um, maybe even in El Paso. I mean, there's, there's tons of different oil rigs unless you want to do water rigging, which is basically you going out to the Gulf and, you know, you flying out to your location instead, but I didn't have an interest in that necessarily, but either way I couldn't get a job. I tried and it just didn't work. And I was like, okay, God, I guess this isn't what I'm doing. So I decided to go for, like I said, teacher. Cause again, my heart was to make a difference. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to work on being a teacher for now. And I'm going to try to make a difference with these kids and, you know, kind of go from there and see what happens. Are you teaching and like so, high school or middle school? What, what kind of teaching? I was, I was doing sixth grade science. Okay. So, at a public school, but I was, yeah, I was in a inner city Dallas school, a public education system. And it was fun. I did so not know I this had, about you, Sean, you were a geology major and you were teaching sixth graders at an inner city public school. Interesting. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It turns pretty quick. <laughs> My life always turns quick. <laughs> so this is like 2014, so, 15, you said something like that? Yeah. So I think the year that I taught was 15, 16, I believe is the year that I taught. Um, it could have been 14, 15, but I think it was 15, 16. So just a few years ago. And I was actually starting to like it. Uh, it was difficult. I had, like I said, it was inner city. So in my sixth grade class, that's normally 10 and 11 year olds. I had anywhere from 10 to 14. Um, my classes had people that were, you know, children that definitely were held back a few times. They weren't around or just whatever, whatever the circumstance. So it was a pretty big age gap that I had to deal with, whatever, but I absolutely loved it. It was one of my favorite things, but I started to realize at this point in time, I was like, okay, God, this isn't going to be enough for me. I was like, this isn't making the impact. These kids, they're hurting, they're upset. And I was like, they don't have something lasting. I felt like the impact that I had was minimal compared to what I wanted to do. Not that teacher's impact is minimal whatsoever. It's, it's a great necessity and good teachers are incredibly hard to find and they make actually a very big impact. I had several in my, you know, my middle school and high school years that really helped me. Um, but the reality is, is there was just in my heart, I knew there was something a little bit different that I wanted to do. And I won't forget ever. I remember one time specifically, I had a student and I was yelling at the whole class because they weren't doing the work. He thought I was singling him out and he starts like sitting there crying at his desk. So I go back to my desk and I yell at him. I'm like, Hey, come back here. Come here. I was like, why are you crying? And I mean, face sobbing, crying. He looks at me and he's like, well, because you yelled at me. And I was like, Oh my gosh. Like at first, like I almost got kind of frustrated at first. I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I was the whole class. I'm getting on the whole class. But to him, it didn't really matter. He felt like he was singling him out. And I realized, like, I don't think he had a strong dad presence at home, that kind of thing. There was, again, there's not enough that I can give. I can be a role model. I can help. I can talk. I can be there. But at the end of the day, you know, a year or two later, he leaves middle school, you know, whatever. Like, the, the impact isn't as long-lasting as I want. I couldn't give him Jesus the way that I wanted to. And so I was like, okay, God, this is not going to work. I was like, I, I know there's more for me. There's a bigger difference to reach a different people that I can give them you and not feel like, you know, I have handcuffs per se. Right. So I remember driving home one day. Um, it was during that same school year. It was about April, March, April, right before the school year was over. And I remember I was listening to worship music, something was going on. And um, <laughs> I just remember, okay, God, 
is it time for me to go to Karis? And it was just an overall, my whole car just felt like it filled up with God's presence. And I immediately, anybody understands that's been through this before, you know, if God does something like that, you start crying. So I just, the whole car fills up. I start crying. I'm like, okay, God, I got to pull over. I'm pulling over. I'm trying to talk to God. And it was just a very emphatic, it's time to go to Karis. And I was like, okay. It was probably one of the more clear decisions I had at that time. I was like, mm. okay, this is pretty, pretty obvious to me right now. And so that kind of started my journey as far as like going to Karis, as far as like the time frame. I always knew since the time I was 14, I heard Andrew, I knew I wanted to go. I pushed it off a couple different times where I had an opportunity to change and say, okay, do I want to do this or do I want to go to Karis? I kept choosing what the, whatever this was instead of going to Karis. Well, I finally did enough of this, so to speak. <laughs> and then I realized it wasn't going to work and get me where I wanted to be. And you know, I got upset with certain things. Like I said, I felt like I wasn't making the impact that I felt like I was supposed to make in my life. And so I was like, okay, God, finally got to that end point. Where I was like, okay, God, this isn't going to work anymore. When do I get to go? And, you know, I got that answer. Um, so to kind of go back also, so that, that's the timeline of how I got to carry us a little bit of the background, my story, that kind of stuff. Um, but that's as far as, you know, more godly different things. Um, as far as business goes, um, I guess it's important. You want me to talk about the one thing. So ever since I was younger, I had a very close relationship with my parents and a very good relationship. Uh, my parents taught me a lot of good things. Uh, my mom was very spiritual, helped me off a lot of that stuff. Um, not to say that my dad necessarily wasn't, but my dad taught me things that he didn't even realize were spiritual hmm. and definitely about hard work. Let your yes be yes. You know, be no. Um, he was definitely a man of his word and I've never had a better example of that in my entire life. Hmm. My dad says something was going to be that way. Like it was going to be that way. <laughs> like, um, and it was, he never went back on his word. Like that's the one thing that would be always be consistent. doesn't matter. Like my dad was a man of his word. And it was just certain things like that, that I really learned from them. But anyways, so when I was 12, I had this thought that came across my head that I was going to be the one that took care of mom, dad, when they got older, like help them retire. And as I was explaining to you before we started this, it was a really weird thing because as a 12 year old, that's not something you really notice unless you're like in poverty. It's like, no, I know I'm poor. <laughs> like, we, you Which know, you were not. No, we were not. So my parents did very well as far as numbers for them. It doesn't really matter, but we had newer homes. I mean, they built their own home, you know, in a newer development where they wanted to be. Um, they would buy, you know, year to year, three old cars, you know, nice cars that they wanted you know, infinity, suburban, whatever, like they, so no they sense of lack that would lead your 12 year old mind to think I want to provide for my parents when I get older. Right. Absolutely. And that was kind of, when I was younger, I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, Oh, that's an interesting thought. And it was kind of literally one of those things where I, I heard it, thought it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I just kept going about my business. But the funny thing is, is you have all kinds of thoughts as a child and you don't remember them. The thing is, is I've never forgot that. Hmm. so it's one thing that it just it's a constant reminder like not something that i feel stressed about i never have i've never felt stress i've never felt burdened by that thought it's just one of those things that i've always known like okay this is i'm going to be looking for that opportunity basically um there might have been times that i tried to force it like oil <laughs> but, but but the uh, thing is throughout all of this when you said you were chasing money before um Ever since you were 12, that's kind of been the motivation or the basis for it is that you want to help your parents, your grandparents, people indeed. That's been the kind of conscious or subconscious driving force behind that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, if you were to meet me, you wouldn't think I make more than probably 10 bucks an hour. (laughs) I don't spend that much money on myself or the things that I have or anything like that. Like, like I said, the older that I'm getting now, I understand for me, money is just a tool to help reach somebody else that wouldn't be able to get reached without that money. Um, money kind of just, money just takes you places. That's what I'm learning with it. So I want to go to the point where you, you have this overwhelming desire to go to Karis. You get that clear supernatural presence of the Lord in your car and confirmation. And we were in the same class. So we went through first and second year together. And then in third year of Karis, just for those of you guys who aren't familiar, you can choose a number of different optional third year programs. Uh, I chose business. Sean chose ministry. And Sean has, I think always had a heart to be a missionary or to travel overseas. And when you came to Skaris and particularly third year, were you ever thinking that you were going to get into business, that you were going to own a business, let alone multiple businesses? No, I can't say that I did. Um, my first year, my first summer being in Karis, God opened my eyes to a little bit more of understanding like business is a good thing. Um, and owning your own and doing your own business. And part of that was actually through Nathaniel. Um, and so my buddy there at the time, he kind of helped me and understand like, Hey, no business is a good thing. If you can live and do your own businesses, like this is a positive thing. So I was like, okay, like it kind of got my mind twisting that way where I was like, no businesses are definitely a good thing. And it kind of jump started that for me, I guess. I still wasn't thinking, okay, like how or what I was going to do or anything like that. And money as a whole is actually a very, very interesting story from the time I left to go to Karis into where I am now, like the past four years of my life, money is very, very interesting. Um, I've had, I've had a lot, I've lost a lot and then I've had a lot and it just kind of keeps coming. <laughs> and to kind of, I guess, elaborate and explain a little bit of that. Cause it's actually quite the journey that I've had. So when I was a teacher, I saved up almost 30 grand in my bank account that one year. And it doesn't make any sense. Cause I was tithing, I was doing everything. And as a teacher, you don't make a lot. I didn't have anything before I started as a teacher. After that year, I had almost 30 grand in the bank. And I was like, okay, just another one of those testaments hmm. that tithing yeah. doesn't make sense, but yeah. somehow it happens. Yeah. Because I only had 1200 a month that was extra after all my bills came out. But somehow in 12 months, you know, I had much more than I should. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> didn't make a whole lot of sense, but yep. things yep. just happen that way. Yeah. And so... Um, I've always been pretty good with money. My goal was to save that and actually pay my car off that I had at the time. Didn't really work out that way because I used it to live on, <laughs> but, you know, God's way, not my way. Mm-hmm. So instead of paying off my debt, which was very difficult. And most people would probably frown upon that and say, no, you need to pay your debt. And I do agree. I hate debt. I hate paying interest. I've never paid a single month of interest on my credit card since I've had one 15 years ago. I just won't. There's nothing more that irritates me than paying interest on a loan. <laughs> it just, it eats at me. I can't do it. Smart man. And so I do have some business interest now, but here nor there at the moment. Um, but things that are in my control, things that are just living within your means, stuff like that, like I've always been very good at. Um, expanding and using, and I'll get into that, I guess, in a little bit. But um, for business debt, I, I view that a touch differently, but I'll get there. So... I left and I went to Karis. I had 28,000, almost 29,000 in the bank account is what it was. And I was like, okay, God, like at first, it's kind of funny. at first when I went there, I was like, no, you know what, God, the whole point of this, I remember asking God beforehand, I said, God, I don't want to work for the first year. If it's possible, I'll work, you know, starting the second year, but the first year, I just want it to be you and me. 
that's all I want to do. I just want to spend time with you, grow, read, spend time and, you know, kind of relax, have, have a good year. Um, just, you know, understanding who you are more and really giving my full attention to God. Fast forward a couple months of me being there, seeing my bank account go down about two grand a month. It's like, God, I need a job. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, maybe this isn't what I thought it was going to be. I was like, okay, God, maybe I'm going to look just for something part-time. I've only been rejected for one interview at this point in time in my entire life. I probably had eight to 10 jobs and pretty much any interview I've gone on, you know, I had. So that kind of makes the next story pretty funny. I went on probably six interviews in that first couple months when I was there looking for jobs and I didn't get a single one. Some of them were things that were in my area, like um, doing some teaching, but um, some of the criteria was just a little more than I want to deal with. So I didn't do that, but I mean, just something simple, like, um, a UPS, just a regular stock person at UPS, um, that was there locally. Couldn't get it. I went to the interview. I think I even did two interviews on that. Couldn't get it. The salesman at Verizon couldn't get it. Like just all these different things. And I have a sales background for part of my prior history of working too. And they just, I couldn't get anything. It didn't matter what it was. I even did, I had three years of waitering experience. I couldn't get a waitering job. <laughs> this is really interesting, Sean, because I know the, well, the story of what's coming. But right now, what you're telling me is that for all these jobs that you were very qualified for, you were not able to get them. Correct. And Correct. that's going to be jobs, an interesting... I had a couple years experience. So you have uh, every reason in the natural human logic and common sense to think that these jobs would be easier for you to get, especially given your past history of success in getting jobs after interviews, as well as your related experience. And yet it seems like you're almost being blocked right now. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly how I felt. I remember I walked into, this was the second, I don't remember the other one that I went into for, um, the waitering job. But the first one I went to, I didn't get the second one. I literally walked in the door through Olive Garden. And the reason why it stands out to me is because I walked through it. As soon as I walked through, I was like, this isn't right. And I just knew it. It hit me in my spirit. I was like, I'm not going to get the job. (laughs) I remember I went through the interview because I already said I was supposed to be there, but I knew I wasn't getting it. Um, And again, I had three years of prior experience as a waiter. Shocker. I didn't get a call back. (laughs) I knew that I wasn't going to. Um, literally as soon as I walked through the door, I just knew it was wrong. And at that moment, this was around November. So they're looking for like seasonal people to come in and work because it's November getting close to Thanksgiving, Christmas, that kind of stuff. And that's where a lot of restaurants, they want that extra hands on deck, the extra help. Couldn't get a job. I remember leaving that when I went back home that day and I prayed and I was like, God, what is the deal? And he was like, you're not working. You're spending time with me. And that's <laughs> all that I felt like I was being told. And I was like, well, to be fair, it's exactly what I asked for before I came out. And that's, that's literally all I got. Now it's like, okay. Fair enough. So it kind of was an interesting thing at that point in time. Um, so I went through all of first year, spending time with God, putting that first, you know, the best that I could, um, learning the, the ability that you can just sit, that was a hard thing to do. Like I went to school for four hours a day and then trying to find the time to just be with God and then just being okay to relax and understand, um, you know, it's okay to be still and in the moments of being still, like, again, it's not you being lazy if you're doing it correctly. It's you being still and waiting and listening for God. I love Psalms 4610. Most people I've heard at some point in time, but you know, just as simply be still and know that I am God. 
and that can be taken in all kinds of different ways. I understand that. But in this case for me, um, you know, there, there's a lot of times in my life I've understood that principle and it comes in all kinds of different shapes and forms. First time that I read that verse, I was standing over the smoky mountains and it was just a very majestic field of view that I had. And I read that verse and I just, I sat there for like 30 minutes, just being still and just thanking God for what it was that he was showing me. Um, in this moment, you know, it's a totally different meaning. Be still. It was, I had to be, so I had to learn like, it's okay to sit and just wait and listen for God and get God's correction, God's voice, his direction, whatever it is you're needing. Um, so it's something I had to learn. Um, while I also watched my bank account go down. <laughs> and do, that, so I, I just have to interject right there because that so perfectly, I didn't even know about any, we haven't even gotten to the point that I was originally going to interview you about. And it's really yep. interesting you say that because, um, as a lot of you guys listening to this know, I just released a book that has rest as a central theme and mm-hmm. not only rest, but the practical benefits of rest, even, and especially when it seems like the most crazy, foolish, illogical, lazy thing you could possibly do when you're watching your account yep. dwindle down $2,000 like a month. <laughs> and yet, uh, in this case, God actually, well, I guess that's subject to interpretation, but it seems as if you were being blocked in a way that didn't make sense. Um, because this was the priority and, that is such an important foundation. I had the same thing, Sean. My first year, I didn't apply for jobs. I was assuming I was going to. Um, I had some things I was looking into, but the Lord told me that. And I had the um, ability financially to do that without going negative cash flow, which that was hard enough for me. But I can only imagine yeah. how being you know raised by hard workers and people who are productive and do well and all this kind of stuff, to be willing and able to just sit there and be still and rest knowing that your finances are dwindling and getting to a point where you were okay with that. Yeah. I don't know if I was ever truly okay, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but it was something that I learned to develop a trust for God, regardless. Um, nobody likes going from almost 30 grand to, as you're going to hear in a second, about $300. And so it, uh, <laughs> it went down to, yeah pretty much nothing to where I couldn't, I couldn't even make a car payment. Um, so what ended up happening in that first year, you know, the money goes all the way down to about 8,000 or so. And I was like, okay, God, it went to, you know, from the, around that 30 mark to about eight. I was like, okay, I'm definitely gonna have to get a job this second year. Like there's no way around it. Why God, you have to let me work. And that was kind of my mentality. Little did I know, I still didn't have a clue what I was talking about, but instead of living in some place that was so expensive, um, I ended up moving in with another couple, um, where they had the upstairs. I rented the downstairs from them and it cut my bills probably pretty close to half, which helped out a lot. Um, instead of two grand, you know, I was probably down to 1200 a month almost somewhere in that ballpark, which was a big, big deal. And I paid for school just outright. I didn't pay do the payment plan. So I just had to pay for basically living expenses at that point in time. So, but still 1200 a month you have eight grand, you're not getting through the whole year, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty good at numbers, but even if you're not, you understand it's not going to work. So, yeah. um, I knew I had about six months worth of living money before I was going to be in trouble. And so I wasn't stressed about it right away, but I was like, okay, God, at minimum after Christmas break, and I get home from seeing family, I'm going to have to work. And so, uh, I was so wrong. And this is your first or your second year of Karis? 
This was now second year. Okay. Yeah. So first, first half of second year goes by and I still not working. It wasn't something I think I was actively pursuing. Cause I was like, okay, God, you know what? I'm just going to wait till I get back from Christmas break. I'm going to enjoy, you know, I have to, you know, get, get a job, you know, start working a lot harder, all that kind of stuff, which I was ready for, you know, I've worked a lot. And so I was like, you know, this is, I'm, I'm ready to go back to work. Not a big deal. Time comes around and I didn't really apply for a lot of stuff. I don't remember exactly how honestly it worked at this point in time. Cause I wasn't necessarily getting rejected, but I didn't feel like it was still okay for me to go look at this point in time. I'm like, Hey God, what is the deal? Like it was, I knew that block was still there and I didn't understand why. And it all plays perfect once you hear the whole story, but I was like, okay, God, why, why can I not, I have $300. <laughs> what is going on? This wow. isn't going to work God. And, um, my mom would call me. So just a quick backstory. My parents were trying to figure out how to get some money on their own. Um, they were, they're still doing good at this point. They make their own, but they're trying to figure out how to make some extra money. So they were flipping homes at this point in time. So renovating homes, flipping them, selling them. And so my mom, literally this was, I think February maybe. And she was like, Hey, can you come home for a week and work? We'll pay you. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. Like as soon as possible. And so I go home and work for a week and that covers, you know, two months of work or two months of living expenses. And I was like, okay, God, that buys me two months. Great. And the biggest key to this beyond everything else is I felt like I was hearing God correctly. I felt like I was following what God was telling me to do. I was just being patient, even though it was incredibly hard. And I still felt the block. I wasn't allowed to go actually actively search my own work. And again, all that becomes a lot more clear here soon. But Well, you said something I want to highlight real quick was you said... mm -hmm. Even though I said, uh, you know, you were getting comfortable and accepting it. You're like, well, no, not really. I wasn't comfortable, but mm-hmm. I was learning to trust God despite that lack of comfort right. and what didn't Absolutely. make sense to me. Absolutely. Yeah, it went way beyond a natural comfort. Like there was no natural comfort left. Natural comfort is your bank account having 20, 30 grand. <laughs> right. And God is saying, no, how about you try it with 300 in it and see if you still trust me? And that's where I was like, <laughs> okay, perfect. That's where it gets real. That's where you find <laughs> out if your faith is really, uh, you know, if you're walking by faith and not by sight. And that is where, uh, you know, the further out on the limb you get, that's where the, the fruit is. So I like where this is going. Yeah. Yeah. I was about as far out as I think you could be without falling. <laughs> yeah, and so... so. I was to the point where I had that. And I, my mom, like I said, in February or so, she called me. I don't remember if it was January or February 1st. It doesn't matter. Um, but she would call me and say, hey, can you come home? Went home. That went for two months. She would literally call me in two weeks. But the one thing that I want to point out is I never begged. I never asked for money. I never did anything. I was like, okay, God, if this is you, and if I'm out here to learn about you and learn how to trust you, I said, I'm not going to be begging. I'm not going to be asking. I'm waiting you're blocking me from what I feel like you're blocking and somebody can say I wasn't whatever, but if they hear the whole story, you know, whatever. But I felt like I wasn't able to actually go out and find my own work. And I just had to sit and wait again. And so my mom would call and she said, Hey, come out. Perfect. Went out. Well, two months go by and I'm in the same boat again. I'm like, Hey God, I'm now I have $412, you know, whatever it was, (laughs) same boat. My mom, thank God magically we call, you know, it wasn't magical of course, but Hey, can you come back out? Yes. Yes, I can. (laughs) So that happened three times, three where my mom would call me without me saying anything, just, Hey, can you come home? And the third time that it happened at this point in time, um, 
Caleb Braun was another student there at the time and he was getting ready to leave his dad's carpet cleaning job. And he was posting on there, Hey, you know, looking for somebody that can do part-time work while they're going to school. You know, would anybody be interested? And I remember thinking then I was like, I want to do carpet cleaning. (laughs) But I was like, you know what? I feel like I'm okay to actually go for this a little bit more. Even though in my head, I was like, I want nothing to do with carpet cleaning. I want, I was like, God, I don't want to clean somebody's nasty carpet. Like, that's who's calling me. It's because something happens. <laughs> I was like, I don't want anything to do with it. And what ended up happening was I ended up going for that interview. And it was a three-hour interview with the owner at the time. And I remember leaving that interview. And I was like, there's something about this guy. I was like, I want to work for him. Couldn't care less about the job. Hate the job. Don't, don't want to do the job. But I want to work for this guy. And so conveniently, when my mom's money basically ran out, that third time, that final month of payment that she was able to, you know, pay me for the work that I did. Um, that very next month I started my carpet cleaning job, which took over and for that. And it was a perfect transition. Like it was literally seamless. I got down to where I had again, like $500 in the account and I started working for carpet cleaning. And so it was a very interesting part of how that even transpired. I'm like, okay, God, whatever. And, but in my head at that time, cause I didn't have the full picture. I'm just sitting there like, great. Now I'm doing carpet cleaning. Right. <laughs> I didn't really think it was improvement, but the fact that at this point in time, I was like, I have a job. I can make money now. You know, I have something steady, somewhat something coming in and it just felt good. You know, I was back to work. And, um, so at that point in time, I do carpet cleaning for, let's see, I guess it was about a year, but I remember from the very beginning, starting with carpet cleaning and the owner at the time, we didn't know what he was grooming me for, but he was showing me a lot of things that, you know, most owners probably don't show, you know, their, their employee. He was already showing me bookkeeping and, you know, how to do different things and ordering products, you know, stuff that you wouldn't typically want necessarily everybody to see because you want to be in control of the money and make sure nobody else gets to see what you're making, this, that, whatever. And so it's just, whether you make a lot, whether your profit margin is high, low, is irrelevant. Like it's just typically something most owners are going to kind of keep to themselves and not show necessarily, you know, a low end, like you're just the employee kind of thing. So, but he, his heart was to make sure I understood how to operate and run this business. Cause he thought that I was going to be running my own at some point. Hmm. And he had talked to me from day one, basically about, you know, if there was a need, like he would be there to kind of try to help me. And there was no reason for it. It was just a God connection. Like I said, I just knew I wanted to work for this guy. I wanted nothing to do with carpets. And I was like, oh, maybe, like, maybe. I don't know if I want to clean people's carpets. I don't know if I want to build a business cleaning carpets, whatever. But after I understood, you know, profit margins, understanding the business, just understanding, you know, this is something you can do as a one-person, one-man show, and it keeps you busy. And I I started to really enjoy it. I started to also take pride in my work in being able to go clean somebody's really dirty carpet and seeing the after result right then and there. And I started taking a lot more pride in it and understanding like I was really happy and almost kind of a servant like mentality where I was like, no, I'm going to go clean. I'm going to go take care of something that somebody else can't do on their own. A lot of people probably think you can go rent a machine at Walmart, but it's not going to do a fraction of the job. And I don't know. It was just, there was, there was a different mentality that started switching over time, but it did take a little bit of time for that. So Michael was always, um, that was the owner at the time. He was kind of telling me like, Hey, you know, this is a good life. Like if you want to do this, you can do this and you can take care of yourself. You can take care of your family. So your family doesn't have to work and do stuff. Cause that's what he did. 
he took care of his family so they didn't have to work. His wife didn't have to work. He was able to support and do everything for his family. Um, and he showed me a lot through that, you know, his work ethic and different things. And he really helped me grow, um, honestly, as a man all the way around, it was a very good experience getting to be around him and understand some different business aspects. Um, he would tell you to this day when it came to certain things with business, he didn't know what he was doing. (laughs) And he would tell you that right to your face because he told it to me multiple times, but (laughs) he taught me to learn how to trust God with it. And basically that Mm -hmm. hard work pays off and that, you know, the things that you don't know, God's going to kind of make up for it. And, um, that's kind of, there was just so many different lessons and life lessons and godly lessons that he showed me, um, through the course of just being a servant and learning under him, doing all that work basically. So I want to just highlight a couple of things there too, that are so Mm -hmm. important and relevant is that as I talk about a lot on the podcast, when you really start walking by faith and not by sight and trusting God many times, I think in every believer's life at some point, they're going to encounter a paradigm shift where everything that makes sense to you in your natural human mind is completely backwards. And the things that you think you should be doing that make sense, God doesn't have you do. And things that make absolutely no sense, God will have you do. And that relates to a verse in 1 Corinthians one twenty five that says, the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And you are demonstrating at this point, which is important to insert before we go into the next part of the story, your willingness and ability to be humble, to trust God, to not do the things that made sense that you had the qualifications, the skills and the background for. And then of all the times to finally get the release to go get a job. It was the last thing on earth that you thought you'd be interested in or that you should do. And yet undeniably somehow God's spirit gave you a peace and a confirmation despite that situation and despite yourself to step into this. And then you start to see these amazing lessons that you're learning from God through Michael, the business owner, through this whole experience and process that is going to be very relevant to what we're talking about. And so it's that willingness and ability to be humble and let God be God in your life, despite yourself, not because of yourself in many ways. And eventually as you keep being faithful to trust him, he will lead you into the blessing, the provision and start to show you the big picture of how all these things come together and make sense. So I just wanted to insert that here. And also you were taking a very active role. Your goal in coming to Karis was not to just learn the material and pass the test, although I'm sure you were you know, a, a diligent student to do that. It was at the end of the day, the point I came to Karis, to Bible college, was to get closer to God, to learn how to right. trust him deeper and right. to let him be the one who calls the shots in my life. And that is so important because so many people just kind of show up and think that whether it's, you know, business school, Bible college, or whatever they're doing, that just by showing up, these things are automatically going to take care of themselves. But in the midst of that, you were learning these deeper lessons outside of the classroom in the classroom of life and business that were so important. Absolutely. 
And honestly, school for learning for me actually became supplemental. Real life hit me so much harder while over the past four years than school did. <laughs> I mean, it's a fraction of the things that I went through. And we're going more for business stuff, not necessarily spiritual and different things that I went through, um, which were very serious at times and different issues or whatever. But yeah, when it came to just the life lessons I learned through business and how God transitioned a lot of my thinking and understanding like business is where I'm going to start turning you into and it's going to have its purpose later. And honestly, part of that, I'm still trying to figure out how it fits, but because of everything that I've gone through and I'm just getting kind of warmed up with it. Um, you know, I I've learned to not try to outthink or try to get too far. And it's one of those things that I can literally just say, okay, God, <laughs> this is, I have a piece. I know this is where you're, you're pulling me into and I'm just going to jump. And we'll see what happens. And that's an extremely difficult. And I'm going to get into that here pretty soon because it got a lot more difficult for me um, actually just a few months ago. And to think like once you get used to doing something, like the problem is, is God's never going to let you get complacent. If you're happy, you're faithful, and you're good here, God's going to be like, okay, well, you did good here. Let's let's stretch you a little further. It's always yeah. going to be further. And that's what I'm learning. Stay tuned for part two of this interview next week where you'll find out just how much Sean was going to get stretched by God and just how much blessing God had for him in that. Thanks for tuning in. We look forward to having you join us next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Better Way Podcast with Ryan Haley. For more information and to discover more episodes, visit abetterwaypodcast.com or search us on iTunes, TuneIn, or any of your favorite online audio sites. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes or send us an email. Have a suggestion for who we could interview next? Let us know on our website. Finally, A Better Way is listener-sponsored. Help us to further the message of kingdom entrepreneurship by supporting us financially. You can give online on our website, abetterwaypodcast.com. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.